Well, I'm just going to share some thoughts this morning. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of what Bert has to say this afternoon. But, uh, you know, I could go home happy now with what he said. And some of the, some of the things that we're, we're, we'll both share are going to kind of cross over. But, you know, um, it's not just a matter of showing up for prayer. Okay? We all need taught in the prayer that is effective in our generation. Okay? We can read accounts of prayer meetings in the past. Uh, the 1859 revival, which impacted this ministry here. Um, the 1859 revival was a wonderful, scholars say, that probably the most powerful revival in terms of its global impact. And we all know how it started, prayer meeting very small. But, you know, I'm going to say this, and it's the same with the Lewis revival and other revivals. Those prayers probably wouldn't work today. A lot of them wouldn't. And that's why a lot of people, um, they pray, they read about all these prayer meetings in the past and revivals in the past, and they try to replicate it, and it doesn't work because what worked back then is not going to work up here. Okay? Moses discovered that to his cost. You know, you strike the rock and water comes out. Amen? But the second time they needed water, God says, speak to the rock. And Moses said, no, I know, I know, I know I've got this covered. And it cost him his ministry, or it cost him the fulfillment of his ministry. Okay? We ought not be going 40 years around the wilderness and back around the mountain and so on. And that's why a lot of these prayer meetings, even ones for revival, well, we've still not seen it. So, well, we'll just need to double up on our praying. No, we won't. We need to find more effective ways to pray. And what I'm going to speak about today is not really, you would not, not say there were prayer verses. But, and I'm glad Bert brought this up. And, and by the way, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't collude before the meeting. But I'm going to be speaking today about identity verses. Because prayer must come from identity. Okay? In fact, everything that we do for the Lord must come from identity. Okay? If you don't know who you are, then you won't know what to do. And prayer meetings is not about how much prayer we do. It's about understanding who we are and then effectively praying from that. Okay? And prayer isn't just about, oh Lord, we beseech thee. It's not about begging. Well, we just need to beg some more. In fact, last time we had a six-hour prayer meeting, let's have a 12-hour prayer meeting and beg God some more. No, it's not about that. You can have a 30-second prayer that's more effective than a 30-day fast in prayer because prayer must be from that place of you know who you are and you've heard what the Father's saying by the Holy Ghost and that's what you say. Work for Jesus. Why wouldn't it work for us? Jeremiah chapter 1. Okay. This is the prophet being called Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came, and so on. The word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah says, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Well, 
well, we're going to have a message on prophecy and being a prophet in the office of prophet and the ministry of prophet. No. Uh, but the calling of Jeremiah directly speaks to us today in the matter of prayer. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Okay? And before you were born, I sanctified you, I set you apart, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Look at Jeremiah's calling and see how it relates to us today as prayerful men and women in the ecclesia. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. Now, your excuse might be a different one. Your excuse today might not be, I'm a youth. It might be, I'm an old person. Or, I'm too busy. Or, I'm a mother. Or, I'm a grandmother. Or, we all have excuses. I'm just a boy, Lord. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Jeremiah's calling was the same as what Bert said about Jesus. He only spoke what he was commanded to speak. And you only speak what you hear the Lord saying. Amen? Whether you're a preacher, whether you're a prophet, whether you're a, an intercessor, whatever you're calling, what comes out your mouth is what God says, not what you and I think. Have we all been to those prayer meetings, haven't we? where people pray according to what they think they should be praying, but not according to what God says. So he says here, whatever I command you, you shall speak. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the prophetic movement right now, and it really needs cleanse. I don't want to get into it too much. I've been doing that quite a bit. But my goodness me, talk about fairy dust and moonbeams. Some of the stuff that passes for prophecy, my goodness me. Uh, and and we, we, you see, because people aren't listening to the Holy Spirit, they're listening to their own imagination. A lot of this stuff, and even good stuff, and, I, and, and it sounds good, but it's soulish. It's not from the Spirit. Okay? So he says here, uh, Don't be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth this. This is what I want us to see. This is, this is the bit. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, listen, if you're here today, your heart's cry should be, Lord, touch my mouth. Because whatever comes out your mouth impacts your circumstances, impacts your community. Impact. Jesus said, every idle word you speak, you'll give account. Because see, what I want to say to you today is prayer is not just we get into a position of prayer, we're on our knees, we're outside your bed, we're in a prayer meeting. Prayer ultimately becomes everything that comes out your mouth. Everything that comes out your mouth really should be stuff that is acceptable before the Lord, before the throne of God. And so even just casual speech, even talking to your spouse or everything that comes out of your mouth effectively impacts your atmosphere. Okay? So we need to understand that before we even get into prayer because you can come into a prayer meeting and you know all the words, Oh yes, O oh Lord, we beseech thee this day. In your holy presence, O oh Lord. And then you go and, uh, Did you see her? She, uh, 
Now, let me just say this. We need to live lives that every word that comes out of our mouths, we're prepared to give account for. And that'll, te that'll, that'll teach you more about prayer than anything else. Okay, because what, whatever comes out of your mouth impacts nations. How do I know that? The Bible says, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. Did you know that your words impact the city you live in? But it is overthrown. The city is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Now, that doesn't mean wicked people, drug dealers and gangsters and criminals. It means anybody that uses wicked speech. When you, for example, Gam Gad, what a dump Gam Gad is. And then, oh, have you seen Paisley? Have you seen Easter House? And we, we use all kinds of, uh, we abuse these places. We're not blessing those places, so we're not exalting them, but we're overthrowing them. Because when you say a place is a dump, that's a dump, that's a such and such, then you're just cursing that place, aren't you? You're not blessing that place. We should be saying about Glasgow, every square inch of Glasgow, we bless it in the name of the Lord. Amen? And it's not just, it, 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 it's not just cities, it's nations. <clears throat> you ought to bless your nation. I remember once I, I, I said that, I prayed that in a meeting, and a guy pulled me up and says, oh, you said that the land, the nation should be blessed. God can't bless this nation because it doesn't deserve it. And I said, well, that's all the more reason to bless it then, isn't it? Yeah. What comes out of your mouth shifts atmospheres, right. changes paradigms, creates, if you like, wineskins. We're here today to talk about new wineskin praying, not the stuff that used to work, or the stuff that is never going to work, okay? And begging won't work. It might have worked a desperation prayer. It might have worked at some point. But I believe we've had decades of desperation, begging prayers, telling God the problem, and can't you do something about it? I call them, oh Lord, we beseech you prayers. But friends, we need to, we, we need to stop praying from earth to heaven, reciting earth's problems, into the heavenly throne room and start getting into the heavenly throne room, hearing what God has to say. And you know, you don't even have to shout. We've all been, we've all been to prayer meetings where the shouty people have been praying, yeah? You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you to shout. Amen, he leads me to shout. But sometimes just a whisper. The Lord put it to me recently. You know, sometimes just a sigh. Yeah, that's right. The sigh from someone who knows who they are in Christ, who knows who they are in the throne room, just a sigh, and it can change nations. He says this here, watch it. Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See. I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us today, see. I have this day, this day, this day of prayer. Set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. I'm going to say this to you. If you're here today, you don't know you're over nations and over kingdoms, then you need to know real fast. Because yes. that's what we're about. You're either, if you're under it all, if you, oh, the problems are too great, you know, I appreciate what you're trying to do with prayer. Uh, and I, I've shared this recently. Some folks don't like it. Which, which, is, which for me means I'm going to share it again. Okay? If you're standing outside Holyrood or the council offices or anywhere with a placard, Protesting. 
and you haven't prayed, you're wasting your time. You're standing there getting cold. Amen? And you're standing there getting mocked because if you haven't prayed before you protest, I'm not saying protest is wrong, but a lot of people, they, they rush straight to protest. Oh, well, I don't like what the government's doing. Like what Bert was saying. Well, just blame the government. Get, get, get that placard out of the cupboard that worked the last time. Uh, or it's a different cause this time. We need to paint a new thing on it. And you're standing there hoping the STV picks you up. Folks, if that's the summation of your activism. Listen, I, I want to tell you God wants activists. But I'll tell you where he wants them. In the throne room. When we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, it's not having a snooze. It's not admiring the furniture. It's not, you know, we're hanging out with the Lord and the angels. It's great, man. When we're in the throne room of God, we're there to do business. Amen. We're there to be activists. And it's the activity that the Lord leads us to do. He says, see, I've set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. You need to see it. That's why he said, see. Because as Bert says, it's true. I'm going to quote Bert a lot today. And it's true. A lot, of, a lot of people go to prayer meetings, but they don't see they're over nations and kingdoms. So they resort to begging. But if you see that you're over something, if you have the oversight of something, what do you do if you have the oversight? You decree. That's right. You proclaim. You say, let that be done. Amen? And, and we need to have that mindset. And it's not just a mind, it's not just a, well, we need, we need to have an attitude. No, folks, we need to step into who we really are and be conscious of who we really are. And so we're talking about prayer. Don't start praying until you've got that, you, 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 you've got that consciousness. See, I've set you over the nations, over the kingdoms. What for? To root out and to pull down. Let me just say this. What did Bert say? Now, he didn't know that this is what the Lord gave me. Don't deal with the fruit. Deal with the root. You know, if you want Britain to be blessed, if you want Scotland to be what it was, the land of the book, the people of the book, the land of destiny, all of that, if you want Glasgow to flourish by the preaching of your word and the praising of your name, you need to start by rooting some stuff out. To root out and to pull down to destroy and to throw down. Oh my goodness. I've just come in the wrong place. Haven't we? It'd be nice. You're talking about prayer being something destructive. Did you know that what comes out of your mouth is supposed to be destructive? Destructive of, of what? That which is evil. That which is dark and, and wicked. And that which oppresses men. That which is oppressive. So, yes, we address governments. Yes, we address principalities and powers. Principalities and powers, I believe, and I think I've got scriptural warrant, that it does include the angelic realm, the fallen angelic realm. We're going to look at that in a minute. But I also believe principalities and powers are institutionalized governments. Principalities and powers includes um, that Westminster includes Holyrood, includes the people that, that are in them. 
So there's some things that need to be dealt with. Some things that need to be rooted out, pulled down, destroyed, and, to th- and thrown down. So prayer has to be aggressive in what it addresses. But then it says to build and to plant. Okay? So there's building and plant, but only after all that the... You know, if I said today um, they're going to build a whole new church here on this site, they would have to throw down, pull down the, the existing building, wouldn't they? Before they could erect and build a new one. And so we're called to build and to plant, but first of all, we have to deal with stuff that's out there. And I'm not talking about spiritual warfare. Um, when I first got saved, uh, I was thrust right into prayer for the nation. Okay? You know, it, it was just part and parcel. I, I was mentored by a man who was uh, an intercessor for the nation. He led intercessors for Britain where we were, and eventually led it nationally. And he was a national prophet. So I was mentored by him. So I was, I was thrown into this stuff straight away. You know, a lot of Christians, they go through the process of learning prayer, you're praying for Auntie Jeannie Soto and all that. And then they develop. I, I, I got thrown straight in. We were, we were waging warfare. And a lot of it back then was spiritual warfare. Okay? You know, that territorial stuff. And we were just doing what we knew. And, you know, you, you can only really function in the light that you have. Nowadays, we've moved past all that. There's a lot of people that were doing what they called spiritual warfare. It was just in their head. You know, those types of folks, I mean, well, our prayer walk around our town, and I tell you, I bound every demon. So it's wide open for the gospel. I've bound every demon. No, you were just playing Nintendo in your head. Okay? So a lot of what, that stuff back then, but, but I will tell you this, that the, the blessing of it that I learned was I never, I never learned those begging prayers. Okay? That uh, Bert's talking about. I never learned to be a beggar in the place of prayer. But we have to understand that God wants us to lift lift us out of that us four and no more parochial thinking, oh, well, I just pray pray for the immediate family and and our wee church. Oh, I just pray for our wee village. The Bible teaches us, first of all, pray for all men. Pray for kings and all that. In other words, have God's big picture. Big picture praying. I shared that the other night. Big picture thinking leads to big picture praying. Small-mindedness leads to small prayer. Small-minded prayer. So anyway, uh, but turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Just a few scriptures to share. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3. And this electrified me because I, I knew this. But again, is this, a, is this about prayer? Is this, a, is this a prayer verse? No, it's an identity verse. Or it's a verse that expands our thinking beyond, you know, that, oh, well, I'm on my knees, I'm beside my bed, I'm praying. And I'm begging God, do something. Don't you see what we're, don't you see what we're going through in this nation at this time? Well, of course he sees it. Amen. That's why you're here to do something about it. Oh, well, just go to Bible college. Well, that would help. But you know what? You can become 
over nations and kingdoms in your own bedroom. What does it say in, in Psalm? We might go there, Psalm 149, if we've got time. He says, the saints are in their bed with a shout, the high praises of God in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand, bringing uh, dominion over kings. Whereabouts? In your bed, in your car, in your living room. You don't have to come to a special prayer meeting to do it. You don't have to be in a cathedral to do it. You don't have to go to seminary and wear a dog collar to qualify. The Bible says this honor, have all his saints. The honor that God has given you and I today, and, never, and let me just say this, don't go to heaven and learn this. Learn it today. The honor he's given you, as he said, look at the nations. Look at their leaders. Look at Biden. Look at Putin. Look at Sunak. Look at Sturgeon, look at them all and realize I've put you over them and all you have to do is open your mouth and tell them, tell me, release it. And I'll send the angels necessary. I'll shift atmospheres, but you have to open your mouth and you'll not do that until you see. I've set you over it all. Ephesians chapter 3. Now nobody says here, we don't have time to read it all, so let's just read in from... Uh, verse 8, to me, well, no, sorry, uh, verse 7, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. It says, to me who am blessed and the least of all, all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the nations the unsearchable riches of Christ. Watch this. And to make all see, or all men see, I think it says in the King James, what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. So we we normally just stop there. That's where we stop. We we make all men see. Well, that means preaching the gospel. That means becoming a preacher, a teacher, an evangelist, an apostle. That means letting everybody know about Jesus. Amen? That's where we stop, to make all men see. Okay? But look what it says at the next part. Oh, wow. To the intent. In other words, to the end. The end objective, the intent. What is the, obje- what is the purpose? What is the mystery? Look what he says. That now, the manifold... The many excited wisdom of God might be made known by the ecclesia to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which accomplished Christ. God's got a purpose. What is that purpose? What's his intent? It means, let me say it, whatever comes out of your mouth, has to instruct principalities and powers and has to bring about a cosmic order according to the purpose of God. It has to recalibrate things. You see, well, evil is across the land, darkness is all over the nations, the specter of war, which is very real right now. I'm not being doom and gloom. I'm not being sensationalist. Go and You'll not see it in the Daily Mail. You'll not see it in the mainstream. Go and, go and look at other sources. 
they are much closer to nuclear war. They're preparing for it. And I want to say today, I believe God has called this meeting here today because he wants us to address that. Okay? We're, we're hearing about possible pandemics again. New variants, new, new plagues. Okay? And then we're hearing about famine, shortages, scarcity, supermarket shelves empty, the price of petrol, fuel, gas, electric, going through the roof, the cost of living crisis, they call it. All these things and many others besides are facing us right now. But it says here, and who's causing them? It's not the government. Governments are merely the instruments of principalities and powers. And so what he's saying here is, might be made known by the ecclesia to principalities and powers, the manifold wisdom of God, the purpose of God. What is that purpose? Or, or let me just say, what is the greatest truth on planet Earth, in the cosmos, in the universe? Here it is. Your God reigns. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord over principalities and powers. Far above, the Bible says. If you just squeaked by them. See, the church lives as if Jesus just squeaked above the principalities and powers. He's holding on to his victory. But oh, the devils. Oh, the spirits of wickedness in high places. Oh, they're, they're assailing him. They're trying to pull him. No, folks, it says far above. He's far above. To the extent when he looks down, he laughs. You know, let me tell you right now, there's a lot of laughing going on in the throne room. There's joy in the presence of the Lord. But if, if, if we're not hearing it and we're not seeing it, oh, do you know how bad that, oh, things are getting, things are getting worse. Oh, Lord, come soon. Folks, you're here. It's yours to deal with. It's your business. It's over to you. He's still expecting the nations for his inheritance. He's still expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. Who's going to do that? Oh, the angels will do it when Jesus comes back. No, you. if you're not doing it, let me tell you this, God will raise up a generation who will. Right. Well, how do we do it? Well, be a prayer is a good place to start. Amen? Don't get your placard. And, and I'm not, listen, I'm not knocking that. And, and when I say this, I'm all, I, I cut my teeth preaching in the streets. You want to be a preacher? Get in the streets. Am I right? Amen. Am I right? Amen? You'll become a preacher in two minutes. I'm telling you that right now. The minute you open your mouth, you're a preacher. So I'm not knocking that. But before you grab your megaphone, get into the throne room of God and start decreeing there. Because, let me just say this, principalities and powers, I believe that that covers the good side and the bad side. Do you know the angels that are in God's presence constantly and gaze upon him? They're looking at, and you think, oh, I'd love to be there. I'd love to have what they have. They're seeing God. They're in the throne room. They've access. They're bodily there. There are things about the Lord, that they will never know until they hear them from the ecclesia. 
There are mysteries of God that even the angels who have spent eternity in his presence, they'll never know those mysteries until the ecclesia tell them. Okay, so let me just say this. Begging prayers are not going to instruct them in anything because they've heard them. And let me just say this. They know. They know. Angels of God know. Begging prayers don't release them to do the work of God in the earth. But when someone comes who knows what they're about and they start speaking the purpose of God, knowing who they are, they know that's my cue to go and do what that person is. Now, we're not bossing angels about, okay? We're not, we're not getting into that business, that hooky business of speaking to angels. You understand? We don't need to. We just speak the purpose of God and the, and the Lord releases them. Amen? Uh, anyone comes and tells you, oh, I speak to angels all the time, Wide birth. Amen. They'll not be speaking here. Amen. But you can pray this, Father, let, let the angels be released right now to do your will and purpose in the earth and bring this nation back to you. Anyway, so that's that. So, but what, what you need to see here is this um, that our audience is men, all men, but our audience is also principalities and powers. In the heavenly realms. We have a message for both. What you need to understand here is that what comes out of our mouths is to set things in cosmic order. Yes. Whether it's prayer, whether it's preaching, whether it's prophesying, whether it's just speech to one another. Never let an idle word come out your mouth. An idle word is not just a word that, mean, you know, an idle word can include just meaningless drivel, but I also believe that it means a non-productive word, and that can be a word curse. Am I right? Okay, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 51. Just trying to see time ones. Okay, Isaiah 51. Again, not you would, what you call a prayer verse. You know, asking it shall be given to you. Well, you know, that, that's great. But I'm trying to get you to see the paradigm that it's your mouth that is the game changer on earth, among the nations, in your community, in your own life. Well, you know, when that flu comes around, I'm always the first to get it. Well, you will be. Amen. But rather than saying... He's, he's the Lord that healeth me. So when that flu comes around, my door's closed. My door's closed in the spirit, and I don't even let those germs come into my house. Amen? Isaiah 51. And again, we don't have time to look at it all, but it's just so powerful because it speaks to today. The captive exile hastens, that he may be loosed, that he should not die in the pit, his bread should not fail. This is all talking about the oppression that's in the earth today. But look at verse 16. This is God's answer. Watch this. I have put my words in your mouth. Amen. Let that sink in. I have put my words in your mouth. Not your words. My words. The problem in life is your words in your mouth. Not his words in your mouth. That's the answer. I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand. Why? Well, what did he say to Jeremiah? 
to, to build and to plant, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth. It's just what he said to Jeremiah, isn't it? I've called you to build and to plant. Now, Jeremiah wasn't always doing that just by prophesying. Amen? Because prophets pray, prophets pray more than anyone. So what comes out of your mouth prophetically, you've probably prayed it a thousand times. And remember what did Jesus say? Now, this is about prayer. You see, we sometimes think Jesus came up with all these new, great new ideas, oh, new covenants, new way of thinking. No, Jesus only spoke what he heard the Father saying, and up till that point, all the Father was saying was what he had said in the Old Testament. So what he's saying, Jesus is saying to us, this is how you pray, our Father, who, has, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Now that's what this is saying here. So I believe Jesus was, was he was cognizant of this. God says, I put my words in your mouth, I've covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, I may plant the kingdom in your life, in your town, in your region, in your nation, in the nations, that I may plant the heavens, I may plant the kingdom of heaven, thy kingdom come, and he says, lay the foundation of the earth. In other words, what we said, if you're going to build, you have to put a foundation in first. But you have to root out, pull down, throw down, destroy before you lay the foundations. So what he's saying is, is what, and I, I, I taught this the other day, didn't I? When the, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, isn't it obvious? Lay new ones. Lay new foundations. Go back to the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done. There it is over there. On the wee picture there. Thy kingdom come. Thy, in other words, Lord, we're starting again. The nation's in a mess. You see it. We see it. It's terrible. So we're going to root, down, root out, pull down, destroy, get rid of all the, 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 the guns. And we're going to lay another foundation, Lord. We're going to start praying the Lord's Prayer again, knowing what it means, knowing who we are. Thy kingdom come. Father, we pray it right now. Thy kingdom come here in Gangad, here in Glasgow, here in Scotland, here in the British Isles. And let your will be done. And let that be the foundation of a new Britain. Let that be the foundation of a kingdom-centric Britain. Well, let me just tell you right now, I sense that in my spirit. Yes. The devil's trembled. Because we prayed in accordance with his purpose. It's not like they can, oh, Father, what's happening? Well, you should do it at school, remember? Right, everybody, follow me. Oh, Father, what's happening? I love it all. But you know, when they took that out of schools, the nation went. <laughs> anyway, we spoke about that before. Watch this. Um, who, uh, sorry. That I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, you're my people. I'm talking to Zion today. Zion is the people of God. Zion isn't, and I'll only say this as well, Zion isn't the whole church. Because Zion people know who, who they are. Okay? The people that are in here today, you know who you are. Okay? The people that are out somewhere else, 
They don't know who they are. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I believe in Jesus. That's great. Now, it's not that they don't have this, but they don't walk in the consciousness of it. Because you can only walk in the consciousness. Does that make sense? Of your identity. And if you don't know your identity, then you'll be the devil's punch bag. That, that say to Zion, you are my people. So you need to say to yourself, we are the people. That, that doesn't make you mean you're a ranger supporter, by the way. Amen. I am. We are the people of God. We are the people of Zion. Okay. And then bear in mind that we that man put in the chapter heading. So really from about Isaiah chapter 40 onwards, Isaiah, it's almost like a big long prophecy, a big long discourse where Isaiah is addressing the people of a future generation who are in the isles and the coastlands. It's really, it's the Christian era. So just a few short verses on from Isaiah 51, 16, we have this next one. And notice he keeps saying here um, in verse 17 of 51, awake, awake, and then verse 52, verse 1, sorry, chapter 52, verse 1, awake, awake. Today is about saying, awake. Wake up to who you are. Because let me just say this to you, when you know who you are, you won't pray as much. You want me to say it again? When you know who you are, you won't need to pray as much. You know why? You won't have to. When you know, when you don't know, have we all been there? Have you ever, I'm going to pray for the next five hours. Or I'm, <laughs> yeah? And you don't know what, the Bible says you don't know what you should pray for. But the Holy Spirit knows. And have you ever been in a situation where you've prayed, oh Lord, lead me, and the prayer is so short, and you think, that's it. Business is done. Amen. Because God does business with men in the place of prayer. And I've said this before, God does business with men in the night season. So if you ever want to hear the Lord speaking, get up. See when you get woke up at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, don't say, oh, I'm going to toss and turn now. The reason that you got woke up is so you can go down, make yourself a cup of tea, and listen to the Lord and begin to pray. Amen. I'm getting woke up more now than I, than I ever have in my life. If the Lord used to wake me up in the middle of the night, well, I would just pretend I didn't know it was him. Just get back to sleep. Amen. The Lord giveth his beloved sleep. Amen. But now I know, yeah, he gives his beloved sleep. But after you've done business, Isaiah 52, verse 7, we all, and I, I want to say this. I, I have to say this. There's a, there's, I, I very often will ask the Lord to speak to me. And when I do, I don't know how many times, innumerable times, he will say this, or he'll give me this verse. Because it's the answer to a lot of things. See, a lot of things that we, we want different answers. We want, oh, yeah, specific answers here, Lord. But until we start doing standing orders, don't expect specific orders. You see, in the military, they have standing orders, don't they? Which means you get up every day, you brush your boots, you make your bed, you, you, and you get in the drill field. But you don't do that if you're out in the battlefields in a foreign country. Because then you're under specific orders. But when you're not under specific orders, you're under standing orders. And good soldiers have to learn 
They, good soldiers won't, or soldiers will not obey specific orders until they're good at obeying standing orders. So a lot of times if you ask God for an answer to something and he gives you the same answer or the same verse or the same leading, it's because you're not doing the standing orders. Amen? Until you master the standing orders, you'll never go from private to corporal to lance corporal or whatever it is. You understand? And this is what the Lord gives me. And again, what's this got to do with prayer? He's not talking about prayer here. I was expecting all these prayer verses. How beautiful upon the mountains, Isaiah 52 verse 7, are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims, to sal who, sorry, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Well, that's, that's, that's obviously about preaching. Yes. Now, Bert said he'd been a preacher for 61 years. Is that right, 61? And Bert will tell you this. And isn't a preacher worth his salt who hasn't practiced preaching? Amen. Amen. You don't just stand up one day and say, you know, my text today is. Okay, well, I know, for, I, I didn't. I used to practice. I had a key to the church. Nice and sneak in. And I'd preach, I'd preach, I'd preach my guts out. And I'd say, that's the best sermon I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't know why I don't get asked to preach every Sunday. You know, an audience of one and any angels that were hanging around, well, they get blessed. Amen. Yeah. And a couple of times people would come in while I was preaching and I could. Oh. But you see, what, what, what's going on here? You will not proclaim peace on a public platform unless you've proclaimed peace in the throne room. Unless you've gone, see, your audience, your number one audience is not the people in the sound of your voice. It's the throne. That's right. Amen? And we now know that part of that audience in the throne room or part of that audience beyond the human, there are principalities and powers that need to hear what you, the, the good side, the kingdom of God, the angels, they need to hear it because they're sometimes flying blind, even though they're in God's presence and God gives them things to do. There are things about the relationship that man has with God they will never have because they don't have the indwelling master in them. They have a master whose voice they obey. But you know what? That voice can speak from within. A human. And they're going and they're, and they're saying, they're astounded because they're saying, have you seen Isabel? Have you seen her? I heard the voice of God coming from her when she was praying. Right. I never heard the voice of God anywhere but the throne room. Because it isn't in the animal kingdom. And it isn't in the voice of those who don't know the Lord. But you see, the Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. So they will hear from a person who knows who they are praying before the Lord. And they'll say, you know, I was wondering when I'd get my next assignment. But when Lindsay prayed, I knew I had it then. Because I heard the voice. I heard, see, that Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. But you know, the angels are tuned to the voice of God. 
And when they hear someone praying, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done, what they're saying is, well, I've been active. I've been inactive around that person for so long because they were just praying a bunch of junk. But when I heard the voice of God in their prayer, that activated me to my assignment. And we need to understand that we have far more authority. And it's not bigging us up. It's not, you know, massaging our ego. Oh, yes, we're really important to the Lord. You don't need all this to be important to him. If, if Jesus dying on a cruel tree and shedding his lifeblood doesn't show you you're important. But this is, this is the bonus. This is the gravy to being a believer. Being saved and, being, and spending eternity with Jesus, well, that's but anything else. But he's saying, you're not just going to spend eternity with me. You'll rule and reign with me. So better start learning how now. So he says, how beautiful upon the mountains. The mountains are always a metaphor in scripture for powers, kingdoms, nations, so on. And what did he say to Jeremiah? I've set you over these things. He's saying here that we will be upon the mountains, upon the nations, upon the kingdoms. Because what comes out of our mouth Proclaim salvation and his good news. I want to tell you this right now. You'll learn that in the place of prayer. Okay, you won't learn it by someone shoving you in a pulpit. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. Well, we've upgraded that in the New Testament and it's Jesus is Lord. I want to tell you right now, if you just go home today, into your living room, your bedroom, your bathroom, whatever, and just say, Lord, I want to declare right now before all the host of heaven, before every principality and power, um, Jesus is Lord over Britain. Jesus is Lord over Glasgow. Jesus is Lord over Scotland. You will shake the foundations of the kingdom of darkness. If that little phrase is enough to get a man regenerated and born again, we don't use it enough. We don't use it enough. Jesus is Lord. Proclaim it to Zion, he says. Your God reigns. Vladimir Putin doesn't reign. Zelensky doesn't reign. Biden, Macron, Sunak, all the great leaders of the earth, they don't reign. Their governor, their ruler, their prince is King Jesus. He reigns. How does he reign? Through you, through me. That's how he reigns. So, Praise the Lord. Anyway, let's just close this. Um, our last scripture that I want us to look at. And again, well, not a prayer one. Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. I'd love to preach the whole book of Joel. I'd love to do it right now. We'd be here for hours. But I just want to share these verses because this is a powerful thing. Okay, we, Joel chapter 2 is really where we got our summons to the gathering, it's where we, this meeting that we have now, um, we, we got it from, from Joel chapter 2. And we'll read from verse uh, 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Okay? So now's a good time to tell you that water will be available at lunch. Because we're, we're fasting, okay? Who's happy? 
Who's praising the Lord? I'm joking. Okay? Consecrate a fast. Sometimes we might do that here. If we have a day of prayer, we might have a day of prayer and fast. Nothing wrong with that. You know, some of us could stand to lose a, or skip a few meals. Call a sacred assembly. Wow. Call a sacred assembly. And then this is, this is what we got when we started to gather. One of the verses. Gather the people. Gather the people. Now, we would all like to have more people, wouldn't we? We'd all like to, to, to see hundreds of people, standing room only, sitting on the steps. Okay? But it's not about numbers. Because when God says, if my people, he doesn't mean every single person who goes to every church and calls themselves a Christian. He, he knows, and we know, that'll never happen. Because God works with a remnant, doesn't he? When, when Gideon assembled 32,000 men, he said, you know, this is a good army we've got going here. And they drill very well, they march well. And the Lord says, send home all the, cow the cowards. But Gideon was shocked when 20,000 people left. Are you scared? Ah, uh, go home. Oh, thanks. I'm off. Yeah? That's right. Send the fearful home. Well, you know, I've got, I've got a business to run. I've got a family to look after. I'd love to help you, Gideon, but I'm out of here. And Gideon thought, well, 12,000, you know, he's still the God of Israel. Nah, nah, Gideon. Send home the ones that don't drink right. They shove their head in the pool, in the river. Amen? Just keep the ones that do that. 300 left. Oh, Lord. I just hope he's not got another, another batch to send home. Amen? You see, God works through a remnant. Why? Because then he gets the glory. And, and let me just t tell you this. A day of prayer where there's thousands of people might be a blessed day, but it might just be a whole bunch of folks coming for different reasons. And any, any pastor will tell you, I mean, I speak of this to Alec all the time, that, you know, the prayer meeting is normally the, the, the least attended. But look what he says, consecrate a fast call, a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation. Or set apart the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from the chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Now let me just say this. Yeah, when you, you think, what does that really mean? Well, let me t just tell you. Imagine going to somebody in honeymoon and saying, knocking on the, the door of their hotel room. How's your honeymoon going? Oh, it's, aye, great, thanks. Just leave whatever it is at the door. Right, but we're all right. Uh, sorry, there's a meeting. There's a meeting, and you're required to attend. So the happy couple have to go to the meeting where they're fasting and praying. Amen. What a honeymoon that's going to be. Amen. But you see what he's saying is, whatever is important in your life, there's something more important. And it's a solemn assembly. Okay. Now, that's great. And, 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 you know, that's what the gathering is about. But let me just, I, I want to electrify you here. This uh, is, I'm reading the New King James here. And the New King James is based on the Hebrew text. But 
those of you who know that the Old Testament that Jesus actually used, and some of the disciples, was the Septuagint, which was the Greek text of the Old Testament. So I'm going to read to you what it says in the Greek text. These two verses, blow a trumpet, consecrate a fast, call a sacred ecclesia. That's what it says in the Septuagint. Gather the people, sanctify the ecclesia, assemble the elders. What does that mean? What does that word ecclesia mean? Just very, very briefly, I've shared it before. We used to speak about it a lot at Arise, Scotland. Some of you will know this, but if you don't, ecclesia does not mean church as we know it, Jim, for, for, for Trekkies. Okay? It doesn't mean three, three hymns and a prayer sandwich and a wee sermon, wee homily. It doesn't mean church as we know it. Ecclesia, and when Jesus uttered that word to uh, the disciples in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my ecclesia and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. They weren't here in church. They weren't here in reverend so-and-so. They weren't here in, you know, hymns and prayers. and They were hearing what the word actually meant, which was parliament, senate, governmental assembly. The ecclesia was what we would call secular. It meant government. Jesus was saying to them, I'm going to build my government. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. It wasn't a holy huddle. It wasn't a religious club. It wasn't a place where, you know, spiritual things. Well, it is a spiritual things, but spiritual things that of God, not what we would call, what we call spiritual. A lot of times, just means religious, doesn't it? You know, um, you know. I mean, the religious trappings. I mean, we're in our old building here. We've got these religious stuff. Amen. And and it's nice and everything else. But when we hear church, we we hear the connotations. But when you first heard that with Jesus that day, what he was saying is, "I'm going to have my own council." I'm going to have my own parliament. I'm going to have my own government. I'm going to have my own place. My own as Bert, I always use this. As Bert says, where senators sit. We're sitting here today as senators, as representatives. And we've been elected, by the way. You're a member of parliament sitting there today. Hallelujah. And you've been elected. Guess who elected you? The Lord. Man didn't elect you. The Lord elected you. Amen? But Calvinism got on there. <laughs> the Lord elected you. For what? To sit in a parliament. Not to sit and have fun. We're going to go just now and have lunch um, and, and enjoy ourselves, have fellowship and all these. That's all part of it. That's all part of it. But let me tell you today, you were elected to sit in an assembly, a sacred assembly, an ecclesia, a governmental assembly, so that what comes out of your mouth, not just in that, let me just say this, I'll, just, I'll close with this, I'm closing now, okay? This, my second, close, yeah, anyway. If you're elected to parliament, what's the one thing you need to watch? What comes out of your mouth? True. Yeah? 
You walk, you, you, you walk into a place and go, oh, what the is going on here? Look at the so-and-sos. Daily Mail. Yeah? Scottish Sun. Sky News. Look what they said. Look what he said about them. Yeah? Because everything that comes out of your mouth, you have to give account of. When you represent somebody. When you Imagine the ambassador, uh, you know, in another country. I don't like this place. I don't. I don't want to be here. You know what I mean? I think, I think my country should bomb this place. The hook's coming. Am I right? Because that person's representing somebody. When you go into, elected into parliament, you can't just say what you feel or you want. You've got to watch your mouth. How much more so the ambassadors of Christ sitting in a parliament wherever they are. If two or three are gathered in my name, there's a parliament that can change things, shift atmospheres, bring about change, change culture, change society, pull down rulers that are wicked, bring about godly order, and bring about cosmic order. It's not just on earth, you know what, there's principalities and powers over Glasgow. Well, they need pulled down, Lord. And it's not just about spiritual warfare and all that stuff. You know, sometimes you don't have to engage in spiritual warfare. You just have to speak what God's word says. Jesus is Lord. Let me tell you, you'll do more damage to principalities and powers when you say that than almost anything else. Because the angels are obliged to, whenever they hear that, it's a trigger. Well, we need to make him Lord. Amen. I think a lot, I think this is my last clause. I think a lot of what we saw as effective prayer in the past was somehow or other people stumbled onto words at work. Amen. They didn't even know they were doing it, but they said the right things and oh, the angels were released. And we're not going to, but we, we've got an advantage that we understand these things and can do it consciously. Not just, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using a scattergun here. No, I don't need to use a scattergun. I just need to hit the bullseye. Anyway, that's me, folks. The Lord bless you. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll convene again.